Let's clap our hands to the Lord tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. If you'd be seated for just a moment, I want to express my wife and I's appreciation to Pastor and Sister Purdue and this church family for your wonderful hospitality. We appreciate so very much how conscientious and thoughtful that you have been in providing such wonderful accommodations for us. And uh, I mentioned Wednesday night that uh, the church here, Pastor Purdue, provided a honeymoon suite for my wife and I. We are on our 32nd honeymoon. Amen. And after, after 32 years, we are still on a honeymoon. Well, some of you were wanting to clap your hands, but <clears throat> well, praise the Lord, <clears throat> but we appreciate so much the, the nice room and, and uh, the, the, the suite that was provided for us and uh, the basket and the bottle of wine, and we have just really enjoyed uh, Non-alcoholic. <laughs> Sparkling grape juice. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. We have enjoyed ourselves here at the ACT Conference as we always do. Always enjoy our time that we have to spend with the Purdue's. Uh, as Pastor Purdue has already mentioned, we feel so, uh, so, so close to these folks and and uh, Brother Purdue is one of my closest friends, and I love and appreciate him so very, very much. He's always blessed our congregation with his ministry, and he's coming back again this year to preach a couple of nights of our camp meeting in July. We're looking forward to that, and uh, he's just always a blessing. It's so good to be here with all these other ministers. I was thinking uh, about... What Brother Picklesheimer said, it seems like he can say more on accident than most of us can say on purpose. And I've just really enjoyed uh, his musings uh, on the Word of God and, and just appreciate the words that he spoke in this conference. And, of course, all the other preaching, my, 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 what a time we have had and what great preaching that uh, we have been partakers of in this conference. And I, for one, am going to take it home with me. I don't intend to leave what I've heard here. I intend to take it home with me. Uh, I believe that every time that we come to the house of God, hear the word of the Lord, there ought to be something happen to us. There ought to be some kind of a change that takes place in us. No, it's not. Not that drastic of a change, but it's just line upon line and precept upon precept. Here a little and there a little. And we are being changed into his image. And it happens by the preaching of the word of God. Amen. Appreciate so much uh, Brother Davis and his ministry and good 
messages that he has preached here at this conference. I'm going to read tonight from the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 15, and I want to begin with the first verse. While you're turning in your Bibles there, I do want to express again how much I appreciate my lovely wife being here with me and coming to this conference this year. I love and appreciate her so very much, and it's also good, always good, to be with Sister Westberg and Marjorie, whom we love dearly, and thank God for them. Luke, the 15th chapter, beginning with the first verse of Scripture. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners, far to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners, and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, and everybody say amen. Amen. I want to preach to you for a little while tonight about the relationship of the church to sinners and backsliders. Would you pray with me and let's ask God to talk to our hearts tonight. Precious Lamb of God, we need to hear from you right now, Lord. God, you know the need of every heart every soul of every individual in this house. Oh, help us. Touch us with your spirit, Lord. Speak to our hearts. Touch every soul in this house. In the lovely name of Jesus, I give you glory. I give you praise, oh God, in Jesus' precious name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. And you can be seated. We often look at the parable that is given to us here in this 15th chapter of the Gospel of Luke and think of it as three parables. When in reality, this is one parable that Jesus speaks in the 15th chapter of Luke. And it has three parts to it. And it becomes or should become obvious to us in the verses of scripture that we have read as a text tonight. The reason why that Jesus gives us these parables. First of all, let me say that. Every time that Jesus had opportunity to bring truth and to give instruction and direction, he had a unique way of cutting through the chaff and getting right down to the meat of the matter. When a man would come and give him a compliment and say, Oh, Master, we know that you are from God. For no man could do the miracles that you do except God be with him. Jesus simply said, Sir, Nicodemus, you must be born again. For except a man is born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jews. He was a religious man. Little further down in that third chapter of the book of John, Jesus even made the statement concerning Nicodemus. You mean that you're a ruler of the Jews and you don't know these things? 
You mean that you call yourself a religious man and you don't know that you've got to be born of the water and of the spirit in order to enter into or see the kingdom of God? But that's just one example of the way that Jesus had of bringing truth home. And in these verses of scripture in Luke the 15th chapter, the question is presented or actually there is a statement that is made concerning Jesus. And in, in truth, it's a criticism. The Pharisees and the scribes murmured saying, this man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. These were, again, religious folks, but they were a long way from the truth. And Jesus, when he spoke, had a way of drawing people to him. The multitudes came to hear what Jesus said. And yet when they came to hear him, he did not, he did not pat them on the back. He didn't scratch them where they were itching. He didn't tell them what they wanted to hear. As a matter of fact, just a few verses previous to this 15th chapter of the book of Luke, the scripture says in verse number 25 of chapter 14 that there went great multitudes with him and he turned and said unto them, if you come after me and you don't hate your father and your mother, and your wife and your children, and your brothers and your sisters, and yea, your own life. You cannot be my disciple. And if you don't bear your cross and come after me, you cannot be my disciple. Doesn't sound like that he went to Carnegie's course on how to win friends and influence people. Bishop Westberg, I heard him say many a times, they call it negative preaching, but he said it's negative preaching that produces positive results. And Jesus had a way of letting folks know, hey, if you want to live for me, there's going to be some sacrifice involved. If you want to live for me, there's going to be some cutting away of the old way, and there's going to be a new way to walk in. And he even went on to tell them in those last verses of chapter 14, which one of you intending to build a tire doesn't sit down first and count the cost? And which one of you that wants to uh, lay a foundation, you don't first of all think about whether you're going to have enough to finish what you start or not? And what king going to make war doesn't first of all decide whether he's going to be able to win the battle or not? In other words, Jesus wanted people to know what they were getting involved in. And he wanted them to count the cost before they got involved. And he wanted them to have a made up mind that when they got involved, that they were going to get involved to make it all the way. That they were going to be determined nothing's going to turn me around. That they got into this with a made up mind, with a determination. I'm going to make it all the way home. And so in replying to the criticism of the scribes and the Pharisees, Jesus begins to give explanation and instruction to the church 
concerning what our relationship is supposed to be like with sinners. And what our relationship is supposed to be like with backsliders. And there's a lot of us that need a revelation about what our relationship with these individuals is supposed to be like. There's a lot of folks that have a misconception and a misunderstanding about the relationship of the church to the lost and the relationship of the church to backsliders. I want to preach a little while about it. How many of y'all stay in here with me for a little bit? Amen. Some, some people have the idea that the church is some kind of a secluded society. And that it really, that it really is the responsibility of sinners to find the church. That we just go in and set up camp and in a city and, and then we expect the sinners just to come and find the church. But that is not the plan that God designed. God's design for his church is that we as the people of God go and get them and find them and bring them to the house of God to the place where that they can hear the word of this gospel preached that will save their souls. Well, praise God. None of us, none of us were born in the church. None of us were born as saints of the most high God. None of us were born with a, a, a pedigree that comes from heaven. But we were all born in sin and shapened in iniquity. It was in sin that God found every one of us. And the plan of God. The very heartbeat of God is that he is interested in sinners. He has come to seek and to save that which was lost. John chapter 1 and verse 1 says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. In the very beginning of time, if you please, before the very foundation of the world was ever laid, God already had something on his mind. We know that word in John 1 and 1 comes from the Greek word logos, which means the mind of God, the idea, the concept. It was already there. What did God have on his mind before there was ever a foundation laid to the world? I'll tell you what he had on his mind. He had redemption on his mind. He had Calvary on his mind. He had blood on his mind. He had sinners on his mind. That's what God had on his mind before the world was ever formed. In the omniscience of God, he knows the end from the beginning. He knew that man was going to fall before man ever fell. And before there was ever a problem, God already had the solution. Before there was ever a sinner, God already designed a savior. That's the kind of God that we are serving here tonight. He's interested in sinners. He's interested in saving people. Oh God, hallelujah. God is interested in the lost. 
he's so interested in the lost that he said, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it. And when he had found it, he layeth it upon his shoulders rejoicing. And he cometh home and he calls everyone together and they have a party. Praise God. That's the interest that God has in lost humanity. What did he have on his mind? He had you and I on his mind. Somebody wrote a song about it. They said when he was on the cross, was on his mind you better thank God that you were on his mind because if you hadn't have been on his mind you wouldn't be here tonight you'd still be in a drug house somewhere you'd still be walking the street somewhere you'd still be lost and undone you'd still be sticking a needle in your veins you'd still be smoking your marijuana you'd still be drinking your booze you'd still be living a horrible life of sin and ungodliness he didn't love us when we were lovable but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners he died for us when I was a sinner I wasn't clean I wasn't holy I wasn't pure I wasn't righteous I didn't have to be that way for him to love me. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but that they should have everlasting life. And just as a child, Jesus had the revelation of why that he was here when his parents missed him after a couple of days journey and they turned around and went back they found him in the temple and he was discussing the word of God with the doctors and the lawyers and his mother was a little upset and said what are you doing why didn't you follow us why are you here and Jesus at the age of 12 said I must be about my father's business my God just a 12 year old boy but he already had a passion he already had a revelation of what his purpose was of why that he had come why that he was here hallelujah oh and the father's business is still the business of the church the father's business is still the business of the church if we don't exist to reach the lost we don't have a right to call ourselves apostolic if we don't exist to reach sinners we don't have a right to call ourselves apostolic if we turn our nose up at sinners we don't have a right to call ourselves apostolic if we turn our nose up at somebody because of the color of their skin we don't have a right to call ourselves apostolic there is no prejudice in the blood there is no prejudice in the blood there is no prejudice
prejudice in your head. And if you got prejudice in your heart, you're going to hell. If you got prejudice in your heart, you're lost. You need to get in an altar and repent. Everywhere that Jesus went, he had one thing on his mind. It was witnessing. It was reaching. It was proclaiming. It was testifying. Everywhere that he went, he was looking for a soul. And all the extremes that God will go to to find one sinner. The extremes that God will go to to find one sinner. To save one lost soul. All that we have to do to illustrate that tonight is just to look around us in this congregation. And it becomes obvious to the extremes that God will go. Whether it be into some dark alley. Whether it be into some night joint. Whether it be into some drug house. Or whether it be into some denominal church where truth is not preached. God will go to the extreme to reach another soul. To find a lost sinner. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. God formed a search party in heaven. He said, I've got some people down there that are lost and I'm going to go find them and I'm going to bring them in to my church. I'm going to bring them in to my truth. I'm going to fill them with my spirit. I'm going to take them and and they're going to be baptized in my name and they're going to be my people and I'm going to be their God. I'm glad I'm one of them tonight. I'm glad I'm one that he found. I'm glad that he found me. He found me. I didn't know how to find him. I didn't know where God was. You didn't find God. He found you. You didn't find God. He found you. That lost sheep knew it was lost, but it didn't know how to find God. That lost sheep was in a wilderness. That lost sheep was in the midst of the midnight hour. That lost sheep was in darkness and could not find its way. And thus God had to send somebody, somebody that would that would have a burden, somebody with a passion, somebody with the love of God set abroad in their hearts by the Holy Ghost, somebody with a vision, oh hallelujah, Mm, faith tabernacle, you ought to be thanking God that 16 years ago, God said I got some people down in Greeley, I got some people down there I'm going to go find, and I got a man that I'm going to send, and he's going to find them. I don't have to tell this congregation tonight that your pastor has a passion for the lost. He's got a passion for souls, a passion for sinners. My God. Oh, Brother Keith, you said it so well tonight. I appreciate what you had to say. Amen. People that that misunderstand Brother Purdue don't know Brother Purdue. They don't know the passion that beats in his heart, the love that he has for the lost, the desire to evangelize, the desire to reach souls, 
souls. I want to tell this congregation tonight that every saint of God in this house, you need to pray that God will give you that same passion, that God will give you that same burden, that God will give you that same vision. Oh, God. Oh, let's lift our hands and love him together. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I want to I rub shoulders with men like your pastor because I want that kind of vision. I want that kind of burden. I want that kind of passion. I want that kind of drive, that kind of desire, that kind of love for the lost. Amen. Well, hallelujah. I don't want to be around folks that don't believe in revival. I don't care nothing about being around people that don't believe in bus ministry, that don't believe in reaching for children, that don't believe in in knocking on doors and teaching Bible study. I don't want to be around those kind of people. Keep them away from me. I don't want that negativism. I don't want that negative attitude in my spirit. But I want to have a burden for the law. God, baptize us with the spirit of evangelism. Baptize us with the spirit of evangelism. Amen. Hey, we need the spirit of evangelism. I said we need the spirit of evangelism. Hey, 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 when I, I remember when I was, when I was younger. Hey, and I, if I was going to choose up, if I was a captain on playing football, out behind the church, if I was going to choose up teams, choose somebody to be on my side, you know what? It didn't really matter to me if somebody had the most talent. What I wanted to know was, I wanted to find out which one of them was really excited about playing the game. Hey, it don't matter how much talent you have. If you don't have any spirit, <laughs> well, hallelujah. <laughs> if you don't have any spirit, we need the spirit of evangelism. Well, praise God. Uh, and I want, the, I want the spirit of prayer that Brother Davis preached about this morning. I want the spirit of prayer. I want the spirit of worship. I want the spirit of evangelism. Do you know some people just sit around wanting things, but they never get anything. The Bible says that the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. The sluggard sits around saying, oh, I'd like to be a soul winner. But he never gets around to doing anything. And, 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 and a lot of folks sit in the church all their lifetime saying, oh, I'd really like to be a prayer warrior. I'd really like to be a soul winner. 
but they think, well, I just, I just, you know, I, I don't have the, I don't have the discipline to get it done. I don't have the, the drive, the, 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 the desire is not really strong enough to get it done. I don't have the feeling. Some folks come to church and wait for a feeling before they're going to worship God. Amen. And some folks never get in the spirit of worship because they sit there waiting for the spirit to get on them. But can I tell you tonight that action precedes feeling. Action precedes feeling. You can sit around wanting something all your life and you're never going to get it until you take a step of faith. Until you take a step of faith. No. You're not going to feel like knocking on doors before you get out there. But you just go ahead and do it. And about that second or third door, whoo, something comes over you. And you start saying, my, my, my. I'm so glad I overrode my feelings and went ahead and came on, on outreach today. Oh, no, 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 no. No, you're not going to feel like teaching that Bible study. But you go ahead and put that Bible and that chart under your arm and walk in that living room and put it on the table. And it's not going to be very long until something's going to, whoo, my God, something's going to get on you. Something's going to get all over you. You got to take a step. You got to step out and say, I'm going to do it. I may not feel like it, but I'm going to knock on doors. I'm going to teach Bible study. Jesus sent out polite little invitations. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. And they came back saying, they said they don't want to come. Jesus said, go get the poor. Go get the maimed. Go get the halt. Go get the blind. He went and got them, brought them in their steel room. He said, go back into the highways and the hedges. And compel them to come into my house. That my house may be full. That's the will of God. That is the will of God. That's what he said. He said, I want my house to be full. Wow to wow. Wow to wow. People. That's the will of God. Wow to wow. Wow to wow. People, that's the will of God. That is the will of God. He said, go compel them. Compel him. I don't know what he meant. I don't think he meant take a 38. I don't think he meant take a knife, put it to their throat, and get them to come. But he did say, compel him. Compel him. Compel him. Amen. Uh, Bishop used to say, if it ain't immoral or illegal, we're going to use it to reach the lost. 
if it's not immoral or illegal, we're going to use it to reach the lost. Amen. I know, I know, uh, we can come under a lot of criticism, but you know what? We got to just, we got to consider the source and just go ahead and do the work of God anyway. Consider the source and go ahead and do the will of God anyway. Anybody that criticizes outreach, anybody that criticizes bus ministry. Well, hallelujah. I'll feed them a dinner to get them to come to church. The last two years, last two years, in a row, we'll, on Easter Sunday, we'll give away a vehicle that's been donated to the church and, 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 and let it be known. Hey Amen. Come on. You, we're going to have a drawing. But in order to get in the drawing, you've got to fill out a visitor card and we're going to draw the name out of the visitor card. Because we got one reason to get them there. Because we want to get back in their home. We want to teach them a Bible study. We want to let them know, hey, there's more to this than what you think. This isn't just another church. This isn't just another religion. But this is this is what you're gonna what you're gonna find in the Word of God. This is Book of Acts. This is apostolic. This is what you've been looking for. I'm telling you, this is what the world is looking for. The world ain't looking for another dead church. The world ain't looking for another religion. The world is looking for what you and I have. Jesus said, if you only knew the gift of God and who it is that saith unto thee, give me the drink, you would have asked of him. If this world only knew what we had, there wouldn't be enough room in the parking lot to hold all of the sinners that would be here holding the Holy Ghost. I could spend the rest of my time here tonight preaching about evangelism. But I want to move on here. Jesus went on to say in verse number 8, Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle, and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. It's amazing. But even in the best of apostolic churches, even in the the best of apostolic churches, people are going to sit on the church pew and become lost in the house. Lost. In the house. This is, this is somebody that has repented. They have been baptized in Jesus' name. They have received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And when we come into the kingdom of God, we come into the house for service. We come into the church to be used of God. We become God's currency. He says, you're silver in my hands. 
I'm going to use you for my glory. I'm going to use you in my kingdom. But in this case, the coin becomes lost in the house. And when you get out of circulation, you're not of any value to the church anymore. When you get out of circulation, even though the face value still is the same, yet the usefulness is gone because you can't spend something that you don't have. And when you're lost in the house, oh, how important you are to God, but yet at the same time, you have become useless to God. Good for nothing. Just what he was talking about at the end of the 14th chapter, when he said salt is good, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor yet for the dunghill, but men cast it out. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. When God brings us in, in, into his church, he brings us into his church to be seasoning to the church. Seasoning to the church. Salt that brings flavor to whatever it's put on. No, I've never heard anybody say, man, that sure is good salt. But I have heard a lot of folks say, hey, would you pass the salt? Ooh, cause these taters need some salt on them. These green beans, somebody forgot to salt them. I don't care what it is, friend. If it ain't got no salt on it, it ain't much count. And if the salt has lost its savor, it's good for nothing. I don't care if the salt has lost its savor, you can put all the salt you want on it, but it's still good for nothing. God didn't bring you into the church to be a drag on the church. God didn't put you in the church uh, to become something bland. There is no room for blandness in the kingdom of God. There is no room for blandness in an apostolic church service. Well, hey, do you season the prayer meeting? I said, are you seasoning the prayer meeting? Are people hearing you pray saying, my God, I feel something when that person prayed. Makes me want to pray. Oh, what about the worship service? When folks look at you, do they get discouraged or do they become encouraged? What are you in this church? Are you in circulation being used of God to season every service? What about when people look around while the pastor's preaching and they look at you, do they think, what's wrong with them? Or do they think, man, that person believes what his pastor's preaching? Woo, hallelujah! I'm telling you, you can get lost in the house. You can become lost right here on an apostolic church pew. And oh God, what a shame. 
and out. What a tragedy that people are going to go to hell off of apostolic church pews with an apostolic pastor, with a man of God in their lives, with a man that's preaching to them, loving them, reaching for them. My God. And I want to tell you something about a true apostolic church. A true apostolic church will never be content with a coin lost in the house. Never. 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 Say, oh, pastor, why don't you get off my back? No, you don't don't want that pastor to get off your... God, why don't you leave me? You don't want God to leave you alone. Church, leave me alone. No, you don't want the church to leave you alone. I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to light a candle. We're going to light a candle. We're going to light a candle. We're going to preach to you. We're not going to let you sit here backslid. We're not going to let you sit here lukewarm. We're not going to let you sit here indifferent. We're not going to let you sit on this apostolic church pew and go to hell. We're going to light a candle. And if you got any sense at all about you, <laughs> you're going to be praying, God, shine the spotlight right here. Because he that loveth truth cometh to the light. He that loveth truth says, Pastor, come on, preach to me. Don't let me sit here cold. Don't let me go to hell on this church view. Come on, Pastor, shine the light on me. Come on, Pastor, shine the light on me. Uh, I'm going to be, I'm just going to be open here and honest with you tonight. One of the things I love and appreciate and respect about your pastor so much is because every soul in his in his care I've watched it I've witnessed it I've never even said anything to him about it but I've taken note and I'm learning from it myself brother Purdue but he, I'm telling you he's on the phone calling him. if they're not here in church if, if there's something wrong if he feels something in the spirit I'm telling you he's on their trail right now right now right now you know it's the God's truth you know it's the God's truth. And if you don't appreciate a man of God like that, something wrong with your head. Something wrong with your head. Sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. Whew, my God. No, no, no. We're not going to let you sit here and go to hell. No. 
No, everybody in this house gonna get involved, not just the pastor. Every saint of God's gonna get involved. Oh yeah, oh yeah, we gonna be saying, come on brother, let's go down to the altar and pray tonight. Woo, hallelujah. Oh yeah, we're gonna be gathering around you down here in these altars saying, come on, come on, come on, we're gonna make it, come on, we're gonna make it, come on. Come on, let's live for God, come on. Oh, we've come too far. You know, my wife goes to cleaning house. You better get out of the way. Hey, man. Brother, y'all, bro, I, I say see you later, babe. Because hey. when she goes to cleaning, Brother Steele's, I mean, it's thorough. There ain't nothing, there ain't nothing left unturned. I come back home and the couch is over y'all. How in the world did this little girl put that big couch and the chairs over and the bed and you better have a nightlight on at night when you get up to go to the bathroom because something's going to be in the way that wasn't there. Uh, You know, and some folks, some folks resent the light. Turn that light out. Some folks resent the sweeping. Why don't y'all just leave me alone? I gotta tell you again, you don't wanna be left alone. You better be praying, God, please don't leave me alone. You better be praying, God, please lay me on my pastor's heart. God, please lay me on my brother's heart, God. Because you don't want God to leave you alone. Never, 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 never. I pray it often, God, please don't ever leave me alone, God. Please, God, don't don't ever leave me alone, God. God, I know I don't do everything I ought to do, but please, God, don't leave me alone, God. God, please keep talking to me. Please, God, send a preacher to preach to me, God. God, give somebody a message that'll stir me up, God. But whatever you do, don't leave me alone. But eventually, somebody says, I don't have to put up with this no more. 
I'm out of here. I'm leaving. One day, Daddy calls his son in. He says, Boy, I want you to go down to that South 40 and plow the field today. Don't come back till you get the job done. That boy starts walking down the trail. To the South 40. Resentment building in him. Finally he turns around. Walks up. Back up. Around the barn. After a while. Dad says to one of the servants. Go down there to that South 40 and check on Junior. He's been down there. All day, take him a little lunch. The servant goes and comes back after a while. Says, Master, your son's not down there. I saw the mules hitched to the plow about halfway down. Just standing in the trail. I hadn't seen your boy anywhere around. And Dad goes out and Rings the dinner bell. It's not quite dinner time just yet, but everybody knows the signal. All the hands come in from all over the farm. Dad gets them, get, gathers them around and says, Listen, Junior's missing. I don't know where he's at. I think he's here on the farm somewhere. But we've got to find him. I want everybody to just quit, quit, quit working right now. Don't go back to your job till we find Junior. Everybody spreads out all over the farm looking for Junior. A little bit, <clears throat> little bit, Dad gets an inspiration. He walks out to the barn, walks inside, looks up at the hayloft, reaches up and grabs a rung of the ladder, and makes his way up, gets up there in the hay. Starts looking around, and sure enough, over there and behind some bales of hay, there's Junior laying there sound asleep. Dad reaches down and shakes him. Says, hey, boy, wake up. Man, son, what are you doing? What are you doing up here in this hayloft? Don't you know there's work to be done? Son, do you know that we have stopped everything looking for you? The whole operation of this farm's come to a screeching halt because we're all concerned about you. We're all out looking for you. We knew you're still here on the farm somewhere. And son, don't you realize how selfish it is of you to shirk your responsibility? And to be up here sleeping 
in the time when we ought to be out working. Now listen, boy, you get out and you get out there and you get to plowing. And don't you ever let me catch you up here in this hayloft sleeping when you're supposed to be out there working. Junior don't take it too well. And he lets resentment build for a couple of more days. And then he walks in dad's office one morning. And he says, listen, daddy. I want you to give me what's mine. I'm gone. I'm out of here. Oh. Son, you don't know what you're doing. I don't want to hear no more preaching. Don't preach to me no more, dad. I know what I'm doing. Give me what's mine. I'm gone. And the boy walks out the door. Tears are streaming down dad's old cheeks. He loves that boy dearly. But the boy walks out down the road. Dad watches him off in the distance. And the boy goes into a far country. And he joins himself to the citizens of a far country. And he, he thinks, man, this is the life. I got all these friends. And yeah, he had them until the money was gone. And then when the money was gone, the friends were gone too. They weren't real friends at all. <laughs> and he was left destitute, barren, in a far country. And he went begging for a job. And he finally found one with a pig farmer. And now then, this boy is out slopping the hogs. And one day, his stomach is so empty that he just reaches down in the slop bucket. And pulls out some of that that he's fixing to feed the pigs. And eats it himself. He's eating with the hogs now. And he's slopping hogs. And old sows and pigs are jostling all around him. He's trying to pour the slop into the trough. And one of those sows knocks his feet out from under him. And he falls and his head hits the trough. I mean, just knocks him out cold. And the Bible says, And when he came to himself, I'm just reading between the lines. I want to tell you something. If you backslide, you need some kind of knock on your head. Because you done lost your mind. You done lost your mind. There's no excuse in the world for backsliding. There is no excuse in the world for backsliding. No excuse in the world for backslide. None. None. Tell me one good reason to backslide. Give me one good reason for backsliding. That's what God said. Come on, testify against me if you will. 
come on and tell everybody what I've done to you that makes you want to turn your back on me. Come on and tell everybody how I mistreated you that would make you want to walk out on me and leave me. He said, be astonished and be horribly afraid. Be amazed. Have you ever heard of such a thing? He said, these, these people out here, these heathen folks that worship these gods that they carry on their shoulders and set their gods up. They made their gods with their own hands. They got eyes and they can't see and ears and they can't hear. And they got a mouth and they can't speak. And they got hands and they can't do anything with them. But he said, they'll come back and worship that God day after day and week after week and month after month and year after year and never change their God. But he said, my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and they have hewn themselves out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold the most ignorant thing that any of us could ever do would be to walk out on God. I'm preaching about myself tonight. I got the Holy Ghost when I was 12 years old. When I was about 14, I backslid. Walked out on God. But thank God I got my... I got my... I hit my head on the trough when I was 17 and finally woke up and said, what am I doing out here? What am I doing out here? My daddy's servants have got it better than what I've got. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going home. Uh, I'm going home. I don't, I don't know if daddy will even want me or not. I don't know if daddy will even accept me or not, but I'm going home anyway. I don't know if the church even wants me back or not. I don't know if the church will even have me or not, but I can't live like this anymore. I'm going home. Uh, hey, 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 that boy had, that boy had a change of attitude. You hear me? He had a change of attitude. He didn't come back the way he left. He didn't come back the way he walked out. Let me preach a little bit here long. Hey Amen. Y'all gonna stay with me a little bit longer here. Hey, uh, uh, that boy, that, that boy didn't come walking back down that road with that swagger in his step. He didn't come walking back down that road with a snuff can in his hip pocket. 
He didn't come walking back down that road with his sleeves rolled up halfway between his elbows and his shoulder. He didn't come walking back down that road with his britches hanging down on his hips. He didn't come walking back down that road with, with pork chop sideburns and a mustache and a goatee. No, 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 no. No, if he had come walking back down that road like that, daddy would have said, son, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Looking like you're looking. The audacity of some backsliders. I said the audacity of some backsliders won't come prancing in the church like everybody ought to look at them. Say, look at look at who's here. Look, I'll tell you what. They come in, they come in like that. I'm gonna be showing them the back door stand. You just get right back. You're not ready to repent. You're not ready to get right with you're not ready to live for God. If you was ready to live for God, you'd be coming down that aisle on your hands and knees saying, my God, I gotta find the church. I gotta get back home. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, I gotta deliver all of this tonight. Amen, sit down. Backsliders don't have to backslide anymore. They've changed churches. You don't leave here wrong and end up somewhere else right. I won't tell you I hate, I hate that. Now I don't know what they call it around here. But in, in Kansas, it's the Social Rehabilitative Services, SRS. You know, social services. If you whoop your kids, we're going to take them away from you. I ain't going to be intimidated. When my kids needed a whooping... I said, you get in there and lay over that bed. I'm getting the belt. And I ain't, I ain't never had a kid yet that, 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 that said, bless God, daddy, you ain't whooping me. I'll call SRS. It's a good thing they didn't because I'd have been in the prison for murder. I hate that spirit. My wife and I sit up many a night with them babies. My wife and I worked our fingers to the bones to provide clothes for their back and food to put on their table. We did everything we 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 did everything possible to give them a good living, to give them a good living. 
I won't tell you it, it takes somebody mighty ungrateful. It takes somebody mighty ungrateful to walk out on a good church. It takes somebody mighty forgetful to walk out on a good man of God. It takes it takes somebody. Oh my God. Uh, hey, hey, there's a there's a bunch of SRS pastors around. Oh, you poor thing, you being abused and mistreated. Come on over here, we'll treat you right. We won't whoop you over here. You devil. I said that ain't nothing but a devil. Double bound devil. My God. They don't love you. They don't care about you. Sit down. Please. I went to I went to Wichita 15 years ago and immediately dealing with adultery in the church. This man been with this other man's wife. And the man that was involved in the adulterous relationship had quit coming to church. His wife and kids were still coming. Uh, the man and woman were still coming. Hadn't been there but a few months. This man that had committed adultery with a woman, he comes, he comes to me and says, Pastor, I want to come back to church. I said, my God, I want to see you saved. But I'm trying to save this other relation, this other family. This, 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 I'm, I'm trying to save this marriage. And, and I, I said, right, we'll, we'll, we'll work something out. I called a pastor across town. I asked him, I said, hey, would you work with me? Can, would you let him come over there to church? We can get everything settled down here. He said, yes, sir, Brother Dudley, I'll work with you any way you want to work. Good man, good man. And uh, his, uh, his brother assist Brother Davis up in Ohio now. But, uh, but it, they, they went over there and it wasn't but a few weeks until some other folks from another church kept working on them, kept working on them, kept working on them, pulling at them, pulling at them, pulling at them. Until finally one Sunday morning, they went to church, another church in the Wichita area. They went to that church and the pastor, as soon as service was over, he said, come on in my office. Called him in the office and he told the man that had been in an adulterous relationship with this woman. He said, he said, hey, I want you to have a song ready for tonight. I want you to sing tonight. Good singer. Excellent, excellent musician. He could sing, sing good. How do you know all this, brother? Because the, the man and his wife came and sat in my office and they told me. They, the pastor said, here, you're going to need a set of keys to the church. Mm. I looked that man in the eye sitting in my office. I called him by his first name. I said, Joe, I want to tell you something, son. I said, anybody, I don't care who it is that wants you on their platform singing right now. They don't care a thing for your soul. Don't care about you one little bit. I said, you ain't got no business singing on anybody's platform. You need to be in an altar repenting. You need to be in an altar getting your life straightened out. And you need to sit down on somebody's church pew and prove yourself and show that you can be a saint of God. 
It ain't nothing but a devil. Any preacher trying to pull you out of here to some other church telling you all oh, that pastor, he's mean. Lying, lying, false prophet, lying devil. Amen. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care who don't like it. I'm going to preach it anyhow. You better thank God for a man of God that won't be intimidated. Because there's a lot of preachers getting intimidated, Brother Picklesheimer. They don't want to preach it anymore. They won't tell it like it is anymore because they're afraid of the pastor across town. But any man worth his salt and that has any love for your soul is going to preach it whether you like it or not. Going to tell it like it is. In both of the other cases, the lost sheep and the lost coin, somebody's looking for them. But nobody went looking for the lost son. Somebody's praying for him, but ain't nobody out looking for him. I'm going to tell you something. The relationship of the church to people that leave the church. We're not going to go looking for them. They've been here. They know what it is. And they know where it's at. And there ain't nobody to blame for them leaving. They don't need sympathy. You go ahead and travail for them, but don't you go pet them and pamper them and pacify them. They don't need to be petted and pampered. They need to be made ashamed of themselves. They're not our heroes. You hear me, young person? A backslider's not your hero. A backslider is not your hero, young lady. Young man, a backslider is not your hero. I'll tell you who our heroes are. 
It's these that are here that have lived for God. They've been faithful. They've walked with God through the midnight hour, through the storm, through the trial, through the rain. No matter what come the trials of life. Through it all, through it all, through it all. They're still living for God. tell you something. If some backslider comes walking in here with that cocky attitude, you ought to ignore them. Don't you all go running around them saying, oh, 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 we're so glad you're here. No, we're not glad they're here if they got that kind of attitude. Because you know what they're trying to do? When they come in here with that kind of attitude, they're trying to inject their spirit into some other young person. They're trying to get their venom in somebody else. Because most backsliders aren't content to backslide by themselves. They want to pull somebody else out of the church with them. And don't you think that that man of God's mean when he says, get on out of here. We don't want you here. Your, your attitude hadn't changed. Your attitude's not right. Your spirit's not right. You're still, you're still full of pride. You're still full of an arrogant spirit. You're not ready to live for God. If the music would come. I want you to listen. The point Jesus made. In each aspect of this parable. Is that when they come. With the right attitude. Our arms are going to be open. And we're going to rejoice. That boy came back. You read the attitude he came back with. Oh, I've already preached about it here. You read that attitude he came. And, and daddy said, go get the calf. And kill the calf because we're going to have a party. And they went to rejoicing because that backslider came back home with the right attitude. He is ready to do whatever the pastor said. He is ready to submit. He is ready to say, it don't matter what I have to do. I'll plow the south 40. I'll plow the north 40. I'll plow the west 40. I'll plow the east 40. Just give me a, give me a hoe. I don't even have to have a mule in it. I don't have to have a... Just let me be in the church. Just let me be in the church. Hey, 
somebody here tonight needs to come on home with your attitude right somebody here tonight needs to step out from where you're at right now and come on down here and say I don't know whether y'all really want me or not but I'm coming home I want to live for God I'm ready to do whatever I have to do it don't matter it don't matter I'm ready to serve the Lord <laughs> oh, I'm ready to get right I want 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 to be right with God I want to be in right relationship with the church There's a church here that loves backsliders. There's a church here, there's a pastor here that'll take 